We cut off our countdown at 10, of course. So the 11th story, the story where we cut things off, this week happens to be this headline. Beyond Meat brings plant-based fried chicken to KFC. I can tell you of all things, we're going to try it out in the South first. And if you want to know more details about the Beyond Meat chicken, which is obviously not chicken, you can go to our website, thisistheconversation.com, and click the link for this story. Otherwise, we'll get to the top 10 stories as chosen by you. You told us what stories are the most conversational, most important, most the ones that you really want to hear about, and we'll count them down in mere moments here on the Weekly Wrap-Up with Jay Cleveland Payne. This is a show for the week ending February the 1st, 2020. And welcome to the show. I am Jay Cliffin Payne, and this is the Weekly Wrap-Up. This show wraps up all the work that we do together, although obviously you guys do most of the work for picking stories, for the week that ends this week, which happens to be February the 1st, 2020. And how does that work turn out, and what are we doing here? Well, this is all based on something I call the Conversation Project at a home we call thisisaconversation.com. And the Conversation Project has various social media accounts out there to see what news stories and what conversational pieces you out there in the world, and we really mean the world, are really into. So we put things out on social media, as I said, Facebook and Twitter. About every 50 minutes, we have a new headline for a new news story that comes from various sources. Some of them are pretty well known, and some of them are liked or disliked based on your bent in political views. Some of them are a little sketchy. Some of them are really, really funny, but we try our best to not be fooled by anything. No no real fake news or any real kind of satire stories go in there. Sometimes we, we fail. But every 50 minutes or so on Facebook and Twitter, we have a link that's out there for you to read a story. And it's probably something that's not necessarily a headline news, Chiron sticking story. We want you to interact with the story, engage with the story. The more engagement the story gets, the more you like it, love it, hate it, share it, spread it around with everybody else, the higher the score goes into the raw pieces for Facebook and Twitter. We put those together into a full score and we rank them from top to bottom. This week, bottom is 2014, or 2016, you'd say. Uh, top is always number one. The first section of this story, the first section of this podcast, is going to be the top 10 stories, counting down 10 to 1, Casey Kasem style. Second segment will be the bottom five stories and we'll go through the headlines very quickly and give you the real dirt we'll read into more detail the one at the very bottom and give you more explanation how it got there how we believe it got there we call that the almost irrelevant story of the week in our third segment of this podcast we will have the shout outs to our patreon sponsors yes this podcast is powered by you and anyone who steps in with a bit of a donation, a little tip into the hat, if you will, we give them shots out at the beginning of the month. And you can do that via Patreon or via various methods, including buymeacoffee.com. And we'll explain how you can do that in a bit. But you can contribute for free by following us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram as well. Facebook and Instagram, look for This is the Conversation. Make sure we're a primary source in your feed so you see us. And on Twitter, it's TH underscore conversation. As you say, every 50 minutes, engage with the stories as you're checking out your own stuff. And like, love, hate, share, the more engagement it gets, the higher score it gets. And it may be heard if it's at the top or maybe at the very bottom of the countdown every single week. Let's go ahead and get into what we have for this week. Oh, by the way, uh, everything we talk about, all the stories that we talk about, all have a link at our website. This is a conversation.com. Click on the week's podcast link that is for February the 1st, 2020, and you can send any comments on pretty much anything to our email address, which is the conversation inbox at gmail. 
Com. Let's get into this countdown before we get too bogged down with the explanation stuff. And we start off, of course, at number 10. And the number 10 story was posted on Monday, the 27th of January. Uh, it gets a bump in response. That means more people responded to this one than the cutoff story of 1.25%. And the headline goes something like this. Madonna cancels London concert due to injuries, but promises, I will keep going until I cannot. MSN.com, which is becoming my new favorite, one of my new favorite homepages, is our source for the link. The story came from Billboard's website, so they just pulled it up as a as, as a feeder there. Here's some lines from the story on Madonna and her, again, not quite putting out her best. We'll just put it like that. Madonna has canceled another concert on her Madam X tour, citing doctor's orders to rest as injuries she has sustained heal. Pop star released a statement on Saturday, January 25th, saying she's deeply sorry to not be able to perform on Monday, January 27th, in London at the Palladium, just a week after canceling one of her shows in Lisbon. Quote, under doctor's guidance, I have been told to rest for a few days, Madonna explained in a post on Instagram. As you all know, I have injuries that have plagued me since the beginning of the tour, but I must always listen to my body and put my health first. She added, the last thing I want to do is disappoint my fans or compromise the integrity of my show, so I will keep going until I cannot. Ticket holders will be refunded, and Madonna's next concert scheduled for Wednesday, January 29th, at the same venue in London, is set to go as planned. So go deeper in the story if you want to, but this has been a, a reoccurring thing, obviously, for Madonna, as, believe it or not, she's gotten older. She may not believe it. You may not believe it, but trust me, she ain't the same one she was 30 years ago in the 80s, which may actually be 40 years because math is bad in my head. So it's, we all have to catch up to what ails us. Father Time is undefeated, and when Father Time decides your time is to slow down, he going to make you slow down. And that's apparently what's happening with Madonna. She's having a lot of issues with this tour, trying to be as energetic and as upbeat as possible. as what she's known for. So all the craziness that Madonna's been known for for those 40, 50, 80 years or so, she's still trying to do it. But unfortunately, it's not quite happening. We'll see if she'll be able to kind of continue on on the high end with this tour and whether she'll add something like like Rascal Scooters or high, very high stools coming up in future endeavors. I hope she keeps performing, but I hope she is able to actually perform to some sort of standard. Let's keep it moving. The story at the number nine story is actually a one of two stories involving a Markle. Oddly enough, this one involves Prince Harry and wife Meghan Markle. This headline, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's and souvenirs have been scrubbed from the royal family's website, was posted by us on Saturday the 25th of January and gets a bump in response from the number 10 story of 21.6%. That's how many more people were into Prince Harry and Meghan than who were into Madonna this week. So the source for this is a blog, I'll say, called Showbiz Cheat Sheet, and they're doing a lot of stuff uh, that's popping up lately in the realm of Harry and Meghan, because now that they've split from the royal family, more or less, they got to go do stuff. So now they're back into tabloid open warfare, if you will. Let me read a little bit from the story so you know what happened and what this actually means by not buying the tchotchkes that belong or have the faces of these two. If you were hoping to grab some wedding souvenirs featuring the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, you are out of luck. At least you're out of luck on the official website for the royal family. In recent days, the team behind the royal site has been hard work at scrubbing the gift shop of any mention of Prince Harry or Meghan Markle. 
In fact, searching for their names brings up a precisely zero results. Is the sudden change to the website proof that the royal family is angry at Prince Harry and Meghan Markle? The Duke and Duchess of Sussex made the bold decision to step back from senior royal life. A desire to forge their own path and the British press treatment of the couple seemingly informed their decision. Now, however, it looks like the royal family is trying to pretend the couple never existed and the palace staff is busy removing any trace of the couple from the royal family's wedding souvenir shop. Those interested in the royal family can shop for souvenirs and trinkets from the royal collection directory online. The web shop houses everything from sweets to china to home goods. Most of the pieces in the collection seem to celebrate a monumental moment in the royal family's history. Souvenirs commemorating royal weddings, the birth of royal children, and wedding anniversaries have been produced. While the majority majority sell out quickly, they remain on the website for viewing. That is unless a couple chooses to step back, apparently. So, we all know about Megxit. We all know what's happening here. We all know that the Sussexes are moving to Canada part-time. And we pretty much hear that Meghan Markle is looking for some acting gigs because now they got to pay their own bills. Uh, obviously there'd be some fallout from Harry leaving the royal family and obviously being some things were not being a full-time or even most-time royal on duties would have some serious repercussions. Not that they were particularly making any royalties from their faces. It was all going to royal family fund, more or less. But this is something that makes perfect sense. If they're not going to play the game, then why would they put them out there? If you're not going to be in the game, if you're not going to be on the team, they should probably stop selling your jerseys. That's just something that makes perfect sense. And we'll see as more people are into the former Royals, as they are now basically tabloid fodder on guard, and how long the story continues to go. The next story is a bit of a shocker that it made it this far, but anything that's Markle these days is fair game, apparently, and anything that's tabloid is extremely fair game. And so this is double on it. We posted this one also on Saturday, uh, the 25th of January. This one gets a bumpy response, just a slight one of 0.51%. And the headline reads, Thomas Markle admits lying to Meghan Markle, Prince Harry, about paparazzi photos. The full story comes from Huffington Post. We pulled it off of MSN.com, their lifestyle section. As it says, one of my favorite uh, starting points for things these days. So that's where I got it. That's where you got it. Let's see what we got right now with the story, a few lines from that headline. Thomas Markle admitted he lied to Meghan Markle and Prince Harry about the 2018 paparazzi photos he said were staged in collaboration with the photographer. Markle, a former Hollywood lighting director who has been estranged from his daughter, spoke about misleading Meghan and Harry in a Channel 5 documentary released Wednesday. Just days before the royal wedding on May 19, 2018, the Mail on Sunday broke the story that photos of Markle that appeared to show him preparing for the nuptials had been staged. The paper reported it had videos showing Markle meeting Los Angeles-based photographer Jeff Rayner of the Coleman Rayner Picture Agency. Markle was photographed reading a book about Great Britain and an article about Meghan and Harry. He also was shown getting measured for a suit and lifting weights. The now Duke and Duchess of Sussex contacted Markle after the photos were published to ask if they were staged, but he said in the new documentary that he denied it. 
If you want to know more about it, you can go deeper into the story. Go to our website, thisisaconversation.com. Click the link for this week's podcast for the week ending February the 1st, 2020, and read deeper into this saga of Meghan Markle. Now, what's really getting weird about this thing is there's another story that I don't think we actually posted a link to it about Meghan Markle's mother, who she's apparently also estranged from, but she went to her the wedding, uh, not moving to Canada because of the estrangement. Meghan Markle pretty much having a lot of issues with her family, uh, her actual blood family, uh, the step-siblings of the blood families, and, of course, the family she married into with are the royal family. Maybe it is a Meghan Markle thing, and maybe it's not quite a Meghan Markle thing, but a reception thing. But there is a whole lot of people who care a whole lot more about Meghan Markle now that she is a semi-former duchess than she was when she was just a mid-range actress. When a new industry emerges, especially involving new-ish or updated technology, you have to always watch how high it will go and what will make the bubble of it Burst because they always turn into some sort of bubble, whether a large major one that really causes damage or just a small one until it normalizes or sometime becomes a fad and goes away. That's what we're looking at for headline for number seven. And that headline reads, 23andMe lays off 100 people as DNA test sales decline. Friday, the 24th of January, the date we posted this one, this gets a bumper response from the number eight story of 7.07%. Source for this one is CNBC, a good source for business stuff. Let's tell you about what's going on at 23andMe. Home DNA testing company 23andMe is laying off about 100 people or about 14% of its staff on Thursday in the wake of declining sales. The layoffs include the operations team, which were focused on the company's growth and scaling efforts, as well as other teams. In the coming months, the company plans to tighten its focus on direct-to-consumer business and its therapeutics arm while scaling back on its clinical studies arm. CEO Ann Wojcicic told CNBC she's been surprised to see the market starting to turn. Wojcicic has theories, but she doesn't have clear proof for why consumers are shying away from getting tests that reveal their percentage of Irish heritage, propensity for favorite ice cream flavor, or whether they have a limited set of variants that are associated with breast cancer. Either way, she notes she's downsizing because it's, quote, what the market is ready for. This has been slow and painful for us, she says. Wolchichik notes that privacy could be a factor. Fears about people's DNA ending up in the wrong hands might have been heightened in the aftermath of the Golden State Killer case. Criminal investigations honed in on a suspect involved in a decades-old rapes and murders by running DNA found at the scene through a free online database where anyone who got their DNA tested through the company, like 23andMe, could upload it. A suspect has was found because a distant relative had shared their genetic information, showing how DNA data, unlike other kinds of data, is unique based because it's linked to and potentially exposes information about family members. Apologies for the butchering on the back end, the reading of that, but you get the point. A lot of people are beginning becoming really, really suspicious of the fad of just dropping your DNA into a computer and finding out that you have cousins in Ireland or Ethiopia or Ghana or on a floating ice shelf in the Arctic. Uh, while that sounds really cool, something like, the whole finding out finding a killer via some DNA is also really, really chilling and really, really yeah, creepy. And a lot of people are rightfully freaked out about it, including the military, which is basically saying stop doing it, period. 
We'll see if there's a rebound for the DNA bubble, read the DNA industry, if you will, or if it's just is going to be, at this point, a sort of stabilization of what's going on in the markets on their own. So this is a story that's business-like and medical-like and very serious, although it does show a rush to the judgments of things and how sometimes we take a step forward in protection that because we just think we're doing something well, isn't doing so great. We'll see as this continues, this is a much deeper story going through. Let me just get to the headline and tell you exactly what the issue is, and then we'll go deeper into the bigger issue. A bumper response from the number seven story of 3.3%. The number six story headline reads, Medical supply stores in Central Texas running out of medical masks following possible case of coronavirus. This was posted on Sunday the 26th of January. We got this from CNN and their health site. Let's read you a little bit of that, and then we'll, we will, I guess, commentate a bit on this one, on what the larger global issue might be. Medical supply stores in Central Texas are experiencing a medical mass shortage after a Texas A&M student, having recently traveled to Wuhan, China, may have contracted coronavirus. Stores around the Brazos Valley, where the university is located, say they are completely out of medical masks, according to CNN affiliate KBTX. The student has experienced symptoms of an upper respiratory virus and went to a local hospital Wednesday evening. A sample has been sent to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention for testing, according to the Brazos County Health Authority. Results are expected over the weekend or Monday, the authority said. The students being kept isolated at home until testing is complete. Gene Smith, who works at the medical equipment in Bryan, Texas, just a few miles from campus, told KBTX that the, the, the store typically stocks about 50 masks. But on Thursday, just a day after the student checked into the hospital, multiple people came in the store looking for five masks. The story goes on to read that within 30 minutes of people finding out that the person had a possible case of coronavirus, that they were essentially inundated and wiped out in most of the stores in the area the same way. You can read more of the story at thisisaconversation.com. Click the link for this week's podcast, which is for February the 2nd, 2020. All the links to all the stories that we are talking about are there, including the cutoff story that's number 11 and the stories we will sort of gloss over quickly in the bottom five. So the bigger issue on coronavirus is this is a big, deadly thing. I believe there are five cases. There were five cases found here in the United States so far from people coming from Wuhan, China. Uh, one case in Chicago where the first case of a person-to-person contact or con- contraction where a wife gave it to her husband while she had some symptoms was there. And now in they're finding somewhere, I believe in the UK, I'm not sure exactly where it is, but they're finding the first case of cases of people who are contracting the virus, even though they were not at Wuhan particularly, they had no contact with someone at that market where they say that the virus began. So the World Health Organization, or the WHO, are calling this a global issue to deal with. Uh, they're putting that, making that really big right now. And the people that are coming back from China to the United States uh, were put on, initially on a on a voluntary three-day quarantine, which turned to a mandatory three-day quarantine, which may at this point be a mandatory two-week quarantine. We're going to see what's that. This is a very serious thing, although when someone gets sick, the fact that everybody wears masks, that is that is actually a thing they do, and I hate saying that thing they do, but thing they do over in Asian countries where people wear masks like that all the time. A lot of it is air quality. A lot of it is just the way things go. But this may become a trend here in the States as we get more and more paranoid about what's going on. And the effectiveness is, of course, you know, 
found out. However, before we go away from this one, remember there are more people who have died this year of the flu in the United States than have actually contracted the actual coronavirus. So make sure you are taking care of the simple stuff first. You can still get a flu shot. Flu shots are still available. I know there's a, a type A, type, type B thing, but get a flu shot that may help. And the biggest thing to keep yourself from getting sick in general is to wash your hands frequently and yeah, avoid avoid contact with other people. So it's elbow tapping season because it's flu season. Often when we post links from websites, when we put them in uh, Hootsuite, which we use to schedule things, it takes uh, the metadata and puts in what is usually a shortened version of the headline or something that's maybe more clickbaity in the headline for people who share things. I'm going to read the full version of the headline posted in the USA Today article that we have for the story at number five because it gives you a bit more fleshing out of what the story gets into. The headline reads, Pompeo says NPR host lied and mistook Bangladesh for Ukraine, but doesn't dispute he cursed at her. Yeah, all that happened and it got even weirder. Saturday, the fifth, the 25th of January is the day we posted this one. A bump in response from the number six story of 18.26%. As I said, USA Today is the source for this one, our source for this one. And we're going to read you a little bit on this one and maybe commentate some more because this got really, really, really big really fast. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo on Saturday accused an NPR reporter of lying about whether she had agreed to keep a remarkable post-interview conversation off the record. In an unusual statement, Pompeo shot back at NPR host Mary Louise Kelly after she reported that he he grew irritated at her questions about Ukraine and shouted at her in an expletive-laced exchange when the interview was over. Pompeo and Kelly had agreed that the conversation was off the record, she said no State Department officials made the stipulation and she would not have agreed to it. Pompeo also suggested, but did not directly state, that Kelly could not point out Ukraine on a map, contrary to her account of the conversation. Pompeo did not dispute Kelly's most explosive allegation, that he shouted and swore at her and suggested Americans don't care about Ukraine, which is something he has actually said a few times since the article came through or the interview went through now Mike Pompeo can take care of himself apparently and that's what he's doing uh, but to be a bit more commentary about this this was an action that had a lot of people you know in the clutching pearls business clutching pearls on the journalistic side and in the sort of the the diplomatic side uh, because first they had the big issue last week with Manu Raju being called a hack by a politician who didn't want to answer a question and can just boulder on past. And people went to Manu's uh, basically went to Manu's aid saying he's basically the nicest guy in the white house and I never asked really bad questions. This one is another one where a lot of people who know or know of this reporter say she probably would not have taken this the way that it came out to the way Pompeo sort of, pompous sized the actual account to make himself look a little bigger and that it probably went down just like that this is not a case where i'm accusing pompeo or the administration of lying about something but this is something where the misunderstandings are a little iffy if you will now president trump actually spoke out in some sort of event about Pompeo and giving him a thumbs up for being a rough guy on a girl, essentially. And NPR was not allowed to travel with Pompeo to Ukraine because of this interview. So maybe uh, whatever happened got a, Mr. Pompeo and the State Department a little uh, 
eh, under the hot under the collar, and that's causing some bigger issues. We shall see if there will be any makeup between these two organizations anytime soon. The number four story is officially the oldest story in the countdown this week. Posted on Friday, the 24th of January, massive explosion Iraq's northwest Houston blast felt across the region. This story is a virtual tie for the story at number three as well, so both stories will have a bump in response of 12.74%. If from the story at number five, the number three story is a much younger story. We'll get to that in a moment, of course. And this is coming from an updated story the next day, so the perspective is a little different. The updated headline is, Officials Seek Answers to Deadly Blast as Investigation Continues. Here's some from ABC 13 in the area in Houston. At least two people are dead after a massive explosion rocked in northwest Houston neighborhood Friday morning, breaking windows, collapsing ceilings, and even knocking houses off their foundations up to two miles away. Officials have identified Gerald Castorero Sr. and Frank Flores as two victims who were killed in fatal explosions. The explosion happened at 4.25 a.m. in the 4500 block of Jessner Road. The origin of the explosion was at Watson Grinding and Manufacturing, a manufacturing and machining company, according to the website. Houston police say two victims were likely employees at Watson Grinding. You can read the statement from the company and more words from the chief as they work on the public investigation of the issue at our website. This is a conversation.com. Click the link for this week's podcast. It's for the week ending 212020. That's February the 1st. 2020. And of course, if you have any comments on any stories as well, just send them via email at the conversation inbox at gmail.com. As we said, the story at number three is a virtual tie for numbers uh, with basically the raw, the total score, I should say, uh, coming up to a tie for the two stories. But this is also the top Facebook story for this week. And you can understand why once I read you this headline Kobe Bryant is killed in a helicopter crash in Calabasas. That story we posted on Sunday, the 26th of January, basically about two hours after the initial story broke. So uh, this is an interesting one. I'm going to just sort of give you basic details. You can go to the link uh, if you haven't seen it all over the place. This story has overtaken basically everything, including becoming the head story when people were doing their updates on the impeachment trials. They opened up with Kobe and then went into all the craziness that is the impeachment trial that's been the past couple of weeks. But Kobe Bryant was killed in a helicopter crash in Calabasas. Uh, he was on the way to a basketball game, and his daughter, Gianna, uh, were in the helicopter as well along with one of her teammates, uh, their parents, and some other, another coach and other children as well. A total of nine people died in the crash, including a pilot who was piloting the plane. This has become an issue that is a very serious and very ongoing investigation in what was going on in the area. Apparently, the weather was so bad, the fog was so heavy, L.A. police had had their helicopters grounded for the day but Kobe who was running late or running basically that was his plan on getting to the actual venue uh, had somehow special clearance to fly this copter and the people alongside him to the location now it was an emotional day already because the night before LeBron James had passed Kobe Bryant in scoring uh, and now that LeBron James is a Laker it was an even bigger deal for what's going on and then the next morning we have the crash for the full week that we've been dealing with this there's been a lot of outpouring a lot of tributes a lot of talk about Kobe Bryant in his first act as a basketball player and is now his second act as essentially a uh, a investor and mogul and all things going on and of course as a father and the love that his daughter had 
who, you know, even though she is a girl, was essentially going to be Mamba 2.0. She was essentially going to be the next Black Mamba, whether anybody wanted it to be a boy or not. So this is a story that's caught a lot of attention and caught a lot of people in strange sort of sort of situations, and a lot of people are waiting for answers to be had. We all are as well. Our thoughts and prayers obviously go out to the Bryant family, Vanessa and her daughters, Kobe's parents, and his community family there and the entire large community that is the basketball watching community the families there as well as we hopefully find more good out of this than the craziness of a situation that some are saying was just so odd now the place could have been avoided next story come to comes from the next story we go to comes from i should say usa today as the source this is a story that it took a while for me to actually post because for about a week or so this is an event that happened three weeks ago that we're finally seeing the repercussions of, and a lot of things are being squirrely in this case as well. But what we're seeing is people think they're being slighted by President Trump, which happens a lot. And so when we finally put this in there, because it kept coming up as a topic, you guys responded bigly. Here is the headline. VFW wants Trump apology for comments on brain injuries in Iran attack. Sunday, the 26th of January, that we posted this, bump in response of 71.58%. As we said, USA Today is the source. I'll read you a few paragraphs from this so you can get the gist of it. A major veterans group called on President Donald Trump to apologize for remarks the group said minimized and tr- the traumatic brain injury suffered by U.S. service members in a January 8th Iranian missile attack in Iraq. The head of the veteran of foreign wars, William Doc Schmidt, said in a statement Saturday that the organization, quote, expects an apology from the president to our service men and women for his misguided remarks. After the attack on two bases housing U.S. troops, Trump said there have been no casualties. But the Department of Defense later announced that 11 service members were treated for concussions caused by blast waves from the ballistic missiles. On Friday, Pentagon spokesperson Jonathan Hoffman told reporters that a total of 34 service members have been diagnosed with concussions and traumatic brain injuries. In light of that announcement, quote, and President Trump's remarks, which minimalized these troops' injuries, the veteran of foreign wars cannot stand idle in this matter, Schmidt said. Schmidt was referring to comments Trump made in a news conference during his trip last week to the World Economics Forum in Davos, Switzerland. Trump downplayed the severity of the troops' injuries, saying, I heard they had headaches and a couple other things, but I would say, and I can report, it's not very serious. So, read deeper, literally read deeper into the story and deeper into the issue of what's going on. We've heard updates from the numbers of people who've dealt with concussions or similar injuries. That number went up to around 60 towards the end of the week. CNN had that number at 60. So more people dealt with more concussions as these weren't regular old bombs popping off in the regular old bunkers. These were serious heavy ballistic missiles in bunkers that weren't necessarily made for that. And so the, the impact and the force waves of those attacks meant a lot more and were a lot heavier than people would have realized. No serious injuries, as in no loss of life, is a great thing. But the people that dealt with CTE, with concussions or traumatic head injuries, are things that uh, that literally take a while to develop. We, we have a lot of people talking about the issues with the NFL and contact sports where concussions are serious issues that lead to serious brain damage well down the line. This is a serious thing, and I hope the president does come back and say something on this. We will see if he actually does.
So let's get to the stats for the story at number one. This is the number one Twitter story this week. It gets a bumper response from the number two story of 27.94%. A bumper response from the number 10 story, that's Madonna, not not being so much Madonna anymore, uh, 295%. And a bumper response from the very bottom story, the almost irrelevant story this week, story 216. We'll tell you what that story is in a bit, but its responsiveness is 64,000% more than that one. So what is this story? What is this headline? What is this big deal? It is a very big deal and a very serious subject. So there's not going to be any extra flip commentary at the end of it. This is one. We're going to read it to you straight. We're going to wrap up the, sh- the segment moving on from there because we really can't do much to, we can't do anything to add to what's going on here. Here's your headline posted Wednesday, the 29th of January. Fotis Doulis. Connecticut man accused of killing wife Jennifer Doulis is found unresponsive today after apparent suicide attempt. And the source is CBS News' website. Out of Farmington, Connecticut, a Connecticut man accused of murdering his estranged wife is in critical condition after apparently trying to end his own life Tuesday. Fotis Doulis was under house arrest and awaiting trial after posting $6 million bond. Drone footage captured dramatic minutes Farmington police tried to revive 52-year-old Fotis Doulas. Officers found him unresponsive while sitting in his running vehicle in the garage of his Farmington home. They performed CPR for more than 10 minutes, stopping only to check for a pulse. Paramedics even tried to shock him back to life using a defibrillator. Quote, he had obvious signs of medical distress. Officers forced entry and immediately began life-saving measures, said Farmington Police Lieutenant Timothy McKenzie. Doulas' attorney, Norm Pattis, told CBS News that Doulas apparently tried to kill himself by carbon monoxide poisoning. Farmington police found him while performing a welfare check after Doulas failed to show up for a bond hearing that could have sent him back to prison for the murder of his wife. McKenzie said Doulas was taken to Yukon Health for treatment. He was later flown to a helicopter down to a hospital in New York City where he is in intensive care. You can click on the story. There's a little more there that talks about the actual case that's attached to it if it does not sound familiar. But we're just going to leave it at that and move on to the f- next section of the actual conversation and the actual podcast. And in the next section, we will deal with the stories that did not get very much love at all. The bottom five, including the almost irrelevant, very bottom story of the week listed at this week as story number 216. That's coming up in just a moment here on the weekly wrap up with Jay Cleveland Payne. This is for the week ending February the 1st. 2020. The Conversation Project is powered by you, and you help fund things, literally fund things, to keep the lights on and the power going so that things keep going. And you can help by literally funding us. If you want to go join us on Patreon and become a monthly sponsor, we'll give shout-outs to them later on in the show. Go to patreon.com slash thisistheconversation. There are other various methods that allow you to give us donations as well. You'll see they're peppered over all of our products. So if one of those is one that's more meaningful to you, more simple for you, use that as well. And you can, of course, just simply visit one of our sponsors and buy from them because we get an affiliate commission from that sale. And we are doing a lot of love for Blinkist right now. Blinkist is our spotlight. It's been our spotlight for for a while and will be our spotlight for a little while because this is an app that helps me get things done. 
I have been uh, so derelict in reading for quite some time as the big things for say entrepreneurs are readers and readers are leaders and things like that. But the problem is reading is hard to do and it also takes a lot of time. So not that I'm not a good reader, although if you see me read these stories, you would probably understand the question of how that can come up. It's a matter of getting in all those books that are supposedly good books that everyone says they've read, even if you don't have the time to do it because you're busy trying to live your life. Blinkist is an app that helps you do that. It allows you to get stories in sometimes as little as 12 minutes, sometimes as little as 20 or so minutes based on the actual book. And what they do at Blinkist is they break the books down into blinks, into the major points of the book. These are nonfiction books that are teaching or training or showing you some new ideas, and you can get a chance to read a handful of books in just a short period of time. This week, on the same day, in the same hour, as I was busy doing some things, I was able to sneak in two books. They were If You're So Smart, Why Aren't You Happy by Raj, I'm not going to even say his name, and Objection, The Ultimate Guide for Mastering the Art of Science of Getting Past No, that by Jeb Blount. You can check out many of the most popular and some of the even some obscure nonfiction books as Blinkist. And it's a free app to try. Try it and see how much you love it. And it will definitely become something that's a tool in your box to keep yourself up to date with what's going on and moving forward. Go to thisistheconversation.com slash Blinkist. It's spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. This is the conversation.com slash Blinkist, and that way you can get in on the Blinkist love, and we get a love, little love back as a commission there. As we say, this podcast is powered by you, and you can power it simply by just stopping by one of our sponsors at the website in the newsletter and our spotlight sponsor right now. Just go to this is the conversation.com slash Blinkist and check them out. You'll be glad you did at Blinkist. Seven two goes by fairly quickly these days because it's essentially a quick rundown of the stories at the very bottom. Not much context other than when they're posted and maybe a little blurb there and there. But we do give you more of the very bottom story because it's normally something that is a little bit interesting. But it's something that's posted so late in the week it doesn't get any love, so it doesn't get any traction. It's one of those good bigger stories that once people wake up and see it, it becomes a big deal. This week, it's something that's very interesting. Uh, we'll see how much a big deal it is. Something very interesting for the bottom story at 2.16. But first, 2.12 is a story that I'm really upset did not get much love, but it was posted fairly late, Thursday the 30th. So essentially, we, we stopped the countdown on, we stopped the reporting on Friday morning. So the cutoff was Thursday night. This was a late Thursday night edition, so it didn't get much traction there. Gwen Eiffel honored in forever stamp dedicated dedication ceremony. Gwen Eiffel, the longtime reporter now with PBS, NPR, and those type institutions, is on a new stamp coming up for Black History Celebrations. You can read more about that and all the stories by going to the website and clicking the link for this week's podcast, and it will be there. 213, U.S. working to evacuate American citizens from epidemic-stricken Chinese city. That we posted on Saturday, the 25th of January. That obviously a very, very big concern. For some reason, in all the things we had popping back and forth, it just didn't turn into much interest for you guys out there. 
214. Man in Blackface robs Maryland Bank. We posted that on Friday, January the 31st. So very, very early in the wee hours before the cutoff. Uh, this is one that may find a way to catch up for next week or may not. It was so low so far, it probably won't make it top 10 material. But you never really know with these stories. Check it out because it is an interesting story to see. Number 25 is a it's it's a great story, and I wish this one got a little more love as well. A lot more people will probably talk about this later on. It will take a little while to catch up as this young man is getting even more offers for more great things. But the headline is Ellen DeGeneres surprises black teen told to cut dreadlocks with $20,000 scholarship. Uh, that one we posted on Thursday the 30th, so it was a late edition as well. Uh, as we said, this young man in all the weeks since we actually posted and his story actually made it here about being told he couldn't walk for graduation from high school because his dreadlocks weren't uh, were against a dress code for presentations a whole lot of people are offering a whole lot of things for this young man including i believe he has a invite to the oscars we will see just how well this young man can um parlay the not good fortune of being given his 15 minutes of fame on something so just ridiculous to good fortune in what's coming to him and the number 16 story is actually very important i believe to all of us including many of us who i'm sure there's somebody out there who makes a whole lot of money uh doing something really famous who listens to the show make sure they take care of their business their actual business their money if you will so here is the headline posted on friday the 24th of January. So this one lasted the whole week at being at the bottom. Dallas Cowboys Michael Bennett doesn't deposit his checks until the end of the season. Blackenterprise.com is our source for this one. As we said, the responsiveness from the number one is from this direction negative 64,000. I'm not sure why nobody jumped onto this one, but this is one that should have been more important to a lot more people. And hopefully, you'll get something out of this story as I read it to you now. There are numerous ways professional athletes are making sure they don't overspend their earnings while they're still playing. Professional football player Michael Bennett doesn't even cash his paychecks during the course of the NFL season, according to CNBC. Bennett has been to the Pro Bowl three times and is a defensive end for the Dallas Cowboys. Yet, despite making millions, Bennett says he still budgets and saves most of his NFL money. On the Needing Dough podcast last year, Bennett tells Uninterrupted Maverick Carter that instead of getting direct deposit of his NFL checks, he prefers to, to receive his NFL paper checks by hand so that he can manage his money better. I keep my checks until the end of the season to make sure I don't spend any money. And then at the end of the season, I deposit it, he says in the podcast. Bennett says that he learned the value of budgeting finances at a very young age growing up in Louisiana when he worked odd jobs as a kid. I had different jobs. I used to save my money to buy me and my brother's school clothes, he recalls. I worked at a water park, a grocery store, and most of the time I was a lifeguard. I was a lifeguard for four years. He said he had to be tight with my money from the beginning because he was an undrafted free agent at the start of his football career. Bennett says he lived out of a hotel room for the first three years in an effort to save money. When he finally decided to settle down and rent a house in Seattle, he got cut from the Seahawks a few days later. I was losing rent, and I couldn't get none of my money back, he said. So uh, you can read deeper into this one and see what sound financial advice you can get from a football player, which 
may sound like an odd thing, but these guys, these cats are really, really smart. And you may see the flashy guys, the ones throwing around bling, the one being ballers and whatnot, as the story that is the main story. But there's more guys like Bennett, more guys who had to really fight to get that first check, and they fight to make sure those checks last, who teach us all a few things about money. He's teaching me a few things about money, as I will freely admit, we aren't the best at keeping our finances in check here with the conversation, but we are working on it. Hopefully that is good news to the people who actually help support the conversation, which we'll give shout-outs to our Patreon supporters in just a bit, plus give you the numbers and any errors, omissions, or problems that we need to discuss. We'll have that in segment three of the wrap-up show with Jay Cliffin Payne, the show for the week ending February the 1st, 2020. This is another week where we give a podcast spotlight to someone who probably doesn't really need my help, but we are talking about podcasts and talking about things that are beyond just our news headlines, things that could actually help or things that can more entertain you. And this is a brand new podcast, so you know we're shouting out someone who's starting something new. But it's not a brand new person to the world of talking on the internet. Jillian Perkins has been doing internet videos for quite some time, running her small business, and she now has a new podcast as a new way to get her information out to people who don't have the time to sit and watch a video she can do it audio wise and you can do other things as she likes to say you can do other things while listening and get the information the podcast is called work less earn more and while she is a coach that helps mostly women in their small businesses at home and kind of getting their lives together this is a podcast that you can learn from i've been you know, pop hooked on her videos for about a year or so now, and it's something that every so often I'll pop in a video and watch it and see what she's doing for her business. Now, some of her life stuff and mom stuff doesn't so much fit. Some of it does. It's all family things. But she's doing what she can to teach entrepreneurs and give them education to help them design a business that's not only flexible but also fulfilling to their lives. So people who are stay-at-home moms can get a lot out of the time where they're not momming and turn that extra time to business. People who have already established work lives can turn their spare time into side hustles that can help them supplement what they have going on or maybe eventually side hustle becomes the actual home business. This is a person who's been teaching this type of stuff for quite some time, a very successful person on her own right, and you can go through her struggles as well as her successes because she's very open and honest about things that work and things that don't work. And with this new podcast, she's actually adding in income reports. She's actually status reports to show how she is earning money, to show you how you can earn more money. The podcast is called Work Less, Earn More. Jillian Perkins is the host of this podcast. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, probably anywhere your pods are cast because they all scrape the Apple Podcast directory anyway. Uh, her website is JillianPerkins.com. We can learn more about her and what she can do for your business maybe. And she has the mandatory presence on Facebook and Twitter as well. So check out Jillian. She has a lot of great things to teach you, whether dude or dudette, uh, whether mom or far from mom. If you have some idea of doing something business-wise and then want to do it from home, she can help you get that started or help you take it to another level. So check it out. It's a new podcast called Work Less, Earn More. It is our Spotlight Podcast for this week.
cash rules everything around us and we are thankful for the little bits of cash that we do get to help supplement things going on for my podcasting adventures including right here for this is the conversation this is the conversation has its own dedicated patreon account for this thing right here for people who love the conversation and if you love what we have going on here we'd appreciate it if you are willing to help us keep things going our Patreon sponsor spotlight for this month for February includes the Rants and Reason, which is actually the Context and Clarity podcast, which is mostly the Spy Stories podcast. These are a group of podcasters who are oh, I showed some great love to a couple of years ago, and they have supported me, uh, you know, by bonusing by showing that they're loving what I'm doing with this podcast here. I think give great thanks to both Chuck and Karen of Rants and Reason for making sure that we keep things going here and of course believing in what i have going on in this podcast here also rebecca davis who uh formerly had a podcast uh, called uh, leftover news and a radio show called leftover news she has oddly enough gone on to bigger and better things in her radio career she is now doing the full-time on-air music spinning djing stuff something that's been a dream of hers for quite some time so i'm glad that she is on to bigger and better things and also glad that she's still giving me support as well good job rebecca you, if you want to hear her tune in to alice 1077 in little rock she's on middays there on the station playing the hits of right now and the world's most dangerous canine rudy who i'm sure doesn't actually have access to the debit card but we thank rudy's owner who will remain anonymous because rudy is kind of the boss for stuff for helping us out as well any little bit that you want to contribute helps out so Patreon.com slash this is the conversation is one way to become a monthly patron. Uh, one of the more popular ways we have is, of course, buymeacoffee.com slash Payne. Another similar one is ko.fi.com, ko-fi.com slash Payne. Or if you want to find other ways that you can help to contribute, just email us at the conversation inbox at gmail.com. We will let you know exactly how you can get into this thing, including being an actual sponsor. We put you on a sponsor spot here inside of the podcast. Now, very quickly, uh, the numbers uh, for the week, we had no real errors or omissions, nothing to uh, report from last week we messed up. But the numbers this week, last week was a weird one because all of a sudden we had a bunch of ties. This week, as we were looking at the pre-numbers, just setting things up before the final night worth of, of, of tallies, we were looking at what was going to be a three-way tie in the middle. So three, four, and five were essentially set to be a virtual tie. What happened in the late hours were uh, uh, just a slight uptick in response and continuing for the Houston story and the Kobe Bryant story and a little less growth for the Mike Pompeo story. Once we things get posted, that's why we kind of keep an eye on the stories that are the youngest getting a chance to be the higher grade because that means they get to that spot with less time. So Mike Pompeo's story was posted on Saturday. Uh, the Houston story for the explosion was posted on Friday, and Kobe Bryant posted on Sunday. Both, All three of those stories were had a lot of time to grow and keep growing along the lines. To, they slowed down towards Thursday and Friday, and Kobe and the explosion one kept a little bit more growth. And oddly enough, because of the Facebook and Twitter being merged together, Stayed both at a tie. That's all we have to say for anything that's kind of out of ordinary for this week. And so because of that, we will wrap up as we are done. Thank you so much for being a part of the conversation. And thank you for listening all the way through. Because some people just hear the first half, hear the first commercial, and just bug out. We thank you so much for listening all the way through. And that is, in itself, is worth 
oodles and oodles of gold, although we'll love oodles and oodles of gold if you have that to give as well. To find out about more about what's going on behind the scenes, go to the Conversation Project's website at thisisaconversation.com and click on various information links right there as well. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram so you can make sure you are voting in the process. On Instagram and Facebook, look for This Is A Conversation. On Twitter, TH underscore conversation. Our spotlight sponsor this week is Blinkist. This is conversation.com slash Blinkist for more information on how you can read more books in less time. Our spotlight podcast this week is Work Less, Earn More. Presented by Jillian Perkins all over the web and at JillianPerkins.com. You can find links to those two as well at the website for this week's podcast for the week ending February the 1st, 2020. I truly believe having you as a listener is worth a whole lot to us. So make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast yourself, wherever your pods are cast, and you help share the podcast so we have more people having better conversations, being in the conversation, so we're not stuck on the breaking news headlines that stay there literally for, at this point, two weeks. The impeachment started two weeks ago, and it's still breaking. I'm not sure how that's possible, but we don't want that to happen. So share the podcast with anyone you can. Share it with friends. Share it with enemies. Find random strangers and share it with them. Grab their phones and subscribe to the podcast and hand it back to them. As you walk away to subscribe other strangers, they will yell great platitudes of love towards you. They always do. Trust me on that. It always happens. Anything we may have messed up can be maybe fixed. We'll try to salvage it by emailing us at theconversationinbox at gmail.com and we'll discuss it. We can just discuss any idea, any news story, anything you want to. If you're just feeling kind of blue, email me and we'll talk there as well. We'll go figure that out as well. And it's always good to hear back from you guys. So all the feedback I get from you, most of it good, some of it a little eh. Well, I appreciate hearing back from each and every one of you. So you can also reply to us in the social media as well. But the best way to have a more or less direct conversation is via the email, theconversationinbox at gmail.com. Oh, by the way, I do a lot of other things that don't necessarily get a lot of attention because I'm doing way too many things, but you can find out a good bit of what they are by going to J, Cleveland like the city, P-A-Y-N-E dot net. Letter J, Cleveland like the city, P-A-Y-N-E dot net. My main website, which should be updated more often, but unfortunately is not. So with that, we're going to say adieu for the day. Thank you so much for joining us for the podcast, joining us throughout the week for what we have going on. Oh, I always forget. Subscribe to our newsletter. Links to subscribe to our newsletter come up at our website, thisisconversation.com. And Monday through Thursday, we give you an update on what stories are trending as the top eight things. So you go into work with eight things you can talk about that have been discussed over the weekend or the prior per day. And you can also get kind of a idea of what might be in the countdown at the end. So for all of the crew that helped me put this thing together, and especially this month for the great Patreon folks who helped put this thing together, thank you so much for the Conversation Project being alive. We will see you next week where we will count down, let you know what the top 10 stories are that you told me to talk about for the podcast for the weekly wrap-up with Jay Cleveland Payne. Thank you, and we'll talk to you next week.